Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to start our day together in prayer. Today is Wednesday, and we're in the sixth week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but a season made up of a week of weeks. This week, we finish up our reading of the Acts of the Apostles, and today we hear the story of Paul's adventures at sea on his way to Rome. God might promise to get us to the destination that God has in mind for us, but that doesn't mean that it will be smooth sailing. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or questions that might arise uh, this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in, your, in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts chapter 27. When it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they handed Paul over, along with some other prisoners, to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial cohort. They got into a ship at Dramitium, and that was attending to sail to various places along the coast of Asia. So off we sent. Our Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, came too. Next day we put in at Sidon. Julius was kind to Paul and allowed him to go to friends to be cared for. When we left Sidon, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us, and then crossed the sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, arriving at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship going from Alexandria to Italy, and we got on board. After a few days, we were making very heavy weather of it and only got to the shore of Nidus. Since the wind was not helping us, we sailed under the lee of Crete off the coast of Salome, Salmone. Uh, getting past the point with some difficulty, we came to a place which is called Fair Havens, not from far from the town of Lacia. Quite a bit of time had now elapsed, and sailing was becoming dangerous. The fast had already come and gone. Paul gave his advice. 
Men, he said, I can see that we're going to have trouble on our voyage. It's going to be dangerous. We may well sustain heavy losses, both to the cargo and to the ship, not to mention to human life. But the centurion put his faith in the helmsman and the ship owner rather than in what Paul had said. Unfortunately, the harbor was not suitable for wintering in, so most people were in favor of going on from there to see if they could get to Phoenix, a harbor on Crete, which faces both southwest and northwest. They would be able to spend the winter there. Well, a moderate southerly breeze sprang up, and they thought that they had the result they wanted. So they lifted the anchor and sailed along, hugging the coast of Crete. But before long, a great typhoon, they call it Eurachylon, a northeaster, swept down from Crete, and the ship was caught up by it. Since the ship couldn't turn and face into the wind, it had to give way, and we were carried along. When we came in behind an island called Cauda, we were just able to get the ship's boat under control. They pulled it up and did what was necessary to undergird the ship. Then, because they were afraid that they would crash into Sirtis's sandbanks, they lowered the sea anchor and allowed the ship to be driven along. The storm was so severe that on the next day they began to throw cargo overboard, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard as well with their own hands. We went on for a good many days without seeing either the sun or the stars, with a major storm raging. All hope of safety was finally abandoned. We had gone without food for a long time. Then Paul stood up in the middle of them all. It does seem to me, my good people, he said, that you should have taken my advice not to leave Crete. We could have managed without this damage and loss. But now I want to tell you, take heart. No lives will be lost, only the ship. This night you see an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship stood beside me. Don't be afraid, Paul, he said. You must appear before Caesar. And let me tell you this, God has granted you all your traveling companions. So take heart, my friends. I believe, God, that it will be as he said to me. We must, however, be cast up on some island or other. On the fourteenth night, we were being carried across the sea of Adria, when, around the middle of the night, the sailors reckoned that we were getting near some land. They took soundings and found twenty fathoms, then a little bit further they took soundings again and found fifteen fathoms. They were afraid that we might crash into a rocky place, so they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. The sailors wanted to escape from the ship and let down the boat into the sea under the pretense of going to get some anchors from the bow. But Paul spoke to the centurion and the soldiers. If these men don't stay in the ship, he said, there is no chance of safety. Then the soldiers cut the ropes of the boat and let it fall away. When it was nearly daytime, Paul urged all of them to eat something. It's now all of 14 days, he said, that you've been hanging on without food, not eating a thing. So let me encourage you to have something to eat. This will help you get rescued. No hair of any of your heads will be lost. So saying, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all, broke the bread, and ate it. Then all of them cheered up and took some food. The whole company on board was about 276. When we had eaten enough food, they threw the grain overboard to lighten the ship. 
When day came, they didn't recognize the land. It appeared to have a bay with a sandy shore, and that was where they hoped, if possible, to beach the ship. They let the anchors drop away into the sea, and at the same time slackened the ropes on the rudders, hoisted the foresail, and headed for the beach. But they crashed into a reef and ran the ship aground. The prow stuck fast and wouldn't budge, while the strong waves were smashing the stern to bits. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape, but the centurion wanted to rescue Paul and refused permission for them to carry out their intention. Instead, he ordered all who were able to swim to leap overboard first and to head for land, while the rest were to come after, some on boards and some on bits and pieces of the ship. So everyone ended up safely on land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Chapter 26 had closed with Agrippa telling Festus that Paul could have gone free if he had not appealed to Caesar. The sentence has always made me wonder if Paul had made a mistake or overreacted in making his appeal to Rome. Instead, perhaps maybe Paul should have gone free. What do you think? But as we've read through the story this time, I noticed two things. First, if Festus had set Paul free, he would have been killed very quickly after being released. And even if he had escaped Caesarea with his life, there were men who had taken a vow to kill him that were roaming throughout all of Asia. Second, it's been Paul's intention to go to Rome for a long time. The Holy Spirit had promised that he would bear witness to Jesus there in the imperial capital. And now, here it was, that the Holy Spirit had provided the opportunity for him to proclaim the gospel in the presence of the emperor. As we have heard, it matters little if Paul is free or in chains. He makes the most of every opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So the more I think about it, the more I think that Paul was perfectly in line with the Lord's will for him, acting according to the promise and assurance that he had received from the Holy Spirit and the vision that he had received when he was in prison. The trip to Rome is a long and perilous voyage, and he makes it near the end of the season. Paul Paul stands out as a leader, and he boldly proclaims how God has promised that all will be saved, even in the midst of the storm, even when the soldiers want to abandon the ship, or sailors want to abandon the ship, and even when the soldiers want to kill all the prisoners so they don't escape. Nevertheless, Paul, with the help of the Lord, helps all reach shore safely. Even in the shipwreck, Paul proclaims God's care and mercy as he acts with honesty and love for all aboard. Maybe that should be an ongoing prayer for our lives as well. Maybe we should ask that the Lord give us a heart so that in any and all circumstances, we trust that God is with us and will open up opportunities to share the good news of Jesus wherever we are and opportunities also to show God's love and care for all people. The circumstances of Paul's life are difficult. At times, it seems more than he could endure. And yet, he doesn't worry about the storm, but instead clings to God's promise. He doesn't dread the impending shipwreck, but he does his part to make sure that God's promise comes to pass for the people that are with him. He instead works to guide all, safely to shore. God, give us that kind of faith and courage 
to help others from the storms that we ourselves are now enduring. In Jesus' name, amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of their God, of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord, who makes every day new. Especially this morning, we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ, and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gifts of relationship with others, for the communion of faith in our church. For what else are we thankful Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who are battling sickness and disease, for those who care for them and nurture them and bring them healing and health, for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries that are ravaged by strife or warfare or disease, for all who are working for peace and for international harmony, for all who are striving to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, and for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good, Render to no one evil for evil, 
strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit.